Well, we just sung about God's amazing grace. This is amazing grace. Let me ask you a question real fast here. Do you remember the moment you came to faith in Jesus Christ? When was it? Where was it? And what were the emotions at that time? So let's hear some feedback. When was it and where was it? Okay, so you were 28 years old and you were in a bar when you came to faith in Jesus. That's awesome. You were six years old and you were in church. You were saved, what'd you say? In Awana. You were saved in Awana. A Sunday school class. I was 17 years old when I came to faith. It was upstairs in my bedroom when I called on the name of the Lord to save me and my life was forever changed. Well, tonight we see that Pilgrim comes to faith. He's standing at the foot of the cross. His life is forever changed and his sin is forever removed. As you notice, we've been reading and we've been learning about Pilgrim and his Pilgrim's progress going to the celestial city. And last time we saw him, he was in the interpreter's house. He was taking a tour by the interpreter through the home, singing room after room after room. And he came to that seventh and final room. And in that seventh and final room, he saw a man who was trembling. This man exposed to the horrors of hell and the great white throne judgment that awaits all of the unsaved dead of all of the ages. The scene now changes as Pilgrim has left the interpreter's house. And I want to read some, some of the verses here, some of the passage from the book. Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall. And the wall was called salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending and upon that place stood a cross and a little below in the bottom, a sepulcher or a grave. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loose from off his shoulders and fell off his back, began to tumble and so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the sepulcher where it fell in and I saw it no more. His sin was gone. Then was Christian glad, it says, and lightsome, and said with a merry heart, he hath given me rest by my sorrow and life by his death. This is the day Pilgrim's life changed forever. I want us to notice some things about what happens to Pilgrim on the day his life changes forever. The first thing I want you to notice is this. Number one is that he's running to the cross. He's running. That's where he's going. And we're told that this is a narrow pathway. It's fenced on either side, we read, with a wall. And the wall was called what? Salvation. Now, we've seen something similar to this before in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. We've read, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are very few who find it. And so this way to salvation, fenced with this wall named salvation, is very, very narrow. And so not too many people in the history of the world are going this way. Few are. Pilgrim is one of those few. You and I here tonight are some of those few. Now, the narrow, the pathway is narrow, but I want you to notice what's on his back, this burden that is very heavy. Up this way, therefore, it says, did burden Christian run, but not without 
great difficulty because the load on his back. This is why Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 11, 28, come to me all who are weary and what? Heavy laden. Pilgrim is heavy laden with his sin. And so many people are heavy laden with their sin and the guilt of their sin and the shame of their sin. And they're heavy laden with works, trying to get into heaven, thinking it's all of these good things they have to do and how much money they have to give and how many times they have to go to church and how many religious deeds they have to do. They are weary, they are heavy laden. And and Jesus says, I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I love these words. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Christian is about to find rest. He will be free from the weight of his sin. He will be free from the guilt of his sin. He will be free from the shame of his sin. He will be free from sin. That's why the gospel is good news. And that's the news we need to get out to this world, that they can be free from their burden of sin. This is the day Pilgrim's life forever changes. He's running to the cross. Secondly, he's standing at the cross and he runs thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending and upon that place stood a cross. And this is this powerful place of healing and transformation. Secondly, he's standing at the cross. He ran thus till he came at a place somewhat ascending and upon that place stood a cross. And this is this powerful place of transformation. This is this powerful place of healing. Do you remember the words of Jesus to Nicodemus we saw a few weeks ago? And the illustration that he used, John three fourteen. as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have what? Eternal life. And and this is looking back in the Old Testament to Moses with the children of Israel in their wilderness wanderings in in Numbers chapter 21. Verse eight, the Lord tells Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a standard, put it on a pole. And it'll come about that everyone who's been bitten that looks at it will live. Remember the children of Israel were all whining and complaining. They were whining and complaining against Moses, their spiritual leader. They were whining and complaining about the food that God had given them. Do you remember what the food was? Manna from heaven. They didn't even have to work. They just woke up in the morning and there was food for them. They're complaining about their food. They're complaining about the spiritual leadership. They're complaining about God, it says. So what did God say? I'll give you something to complain about. I'll give you something to complain about. I'm gonna send thousands of snakes into the camp and they're gonna bite you and you're gonna die. They're poisonous snakes. And you're going to die unless you look at a bronze snake on a pole. And if you believe to be healed, you'll be healed. So their faith in what God gave them would heal them. And Jesus said, I'm the same thing. You have been bitten by sin. And I want you to understand, it's fatal, the poison. We're all going to die, but we don't have to die eternally. And so if we but look to Jesus who died on the cross and place our faith in him, guess what? The serum of salvation is there. And you and I can be saved from our sin if we but look to Jesus. And so 
he's, he's reminded, we're reminded of this as he stands at the cross. And it's the cross on which Jesus died. And, and so, and, and this is, these are the words that Jesus would say to a paralytic that I believe are the same words recorded here. Son, your sins are forgiven. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the cross. It's all about looking to him, not our good works. So the day Pilgrim's life changed forever, he he was running to the cross and he was standing at the cross and his burden falls off at the cross. We're we're told it's loosed and it falls and it tumbles into the grave, meaning it's gone forever. Burden loose, it says the burden was loose from off his shoulders, fell off his back, began to tumble, so continued to do it till it came to the mouth of the sepulcher where it fell in and he saw it no more. My sins are what? Gone. Your sins are gone. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, they are gone. Now, the Lord gives us some powerful imagery about him forgiving us of our sins. And I want to give you some passages on this. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity? Verse 19, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Where do your sins go? Depths of the sea. You're not pulling them back up. Nobody is. Someone said, God cast our sins in the depths of the sea and he put up a no fishing sign. (laughs) No fishing. Don't Don't be going back to those old sins. Don't be reliving those old sins. Your sins are gone. You don't have to beat yourself up over your old sins. They've been forgiven. They're gone. So he casts them into the sea. Here's Isaiah 38, 17. Isaiah 38, 17, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. You know what God has done with your sins? This is what he's done. Boom. And he's just moving forward. If God is moving forward, guess what he wants you to do? Move forward. Stop living with the regrets of your past. If God has forgiven you, you need to forgive yourself. And you need to move forward. So he's cast your sins in the depths of the sea. He's cast your sins behind his back and he's moving forward. So guess what? You need to move forward, okay? Then then we're told in Acts 3.19, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. And it's repeated in Isaiah 43.25, even I, I am the one who wipes out your transgressions. I was a really good husband last night. I'm not always a good husband. Last night, my wife had a meeting late, and I saw all the dishes piled up around the sink, so guess what I did? Guess what I did? No, I didn't leave the stove on this time. (laughs) Guess what I did with those dishes? I made my son wash. No, I washed them. (laughs) I washed the dishes, okay? And, And I scrubbed them good, and I rinsed them well, and I scrubbed them good, and I rinsed them well. And so when she got home from her late night meeting, she walked in the kitchen, and guess what was all done? The dishes were all done, okay? Oh, yeah, big deal, right? I <laughs> know, big deal. It's an illustration. It's a big deal, okay? <laughs> because that's what God does with each of us. He takes us one by one through the blood of Jesus Christ, and he washes us clean of our sins. That's what he did. He washes us. You ever see a whiteboard and the teacher you know, writes stuff? Sometimes you can still see what's on there. When Jesus erases, it's totally gone. So you, you can write all your sins on a whiteboard and erase it, and it's totally gone. It's gone. 
okay? So into the sea, behind our back, wiped away. Here's another illustration, Isaiah 43, 25, the second half of it. I will not remember your sins. Hebrews 8, 12, I will remember their sins no more. God says it's done. I have no recollection. I don't remember your sins. Now, sadly, sometimes our loved ones start to lose their memories. And uh, I'd appreciate your prayers for my mom. Uh, She is not saved yet, and her memory is starting to go. So we'll have the same conversation many, many, many times in the same day. And I was told just recently she didn't remember the names of my kids either. So in a good way, God doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. It's gone because of Jesus who died for your sins. And then the last one that I want to use as an illustration is Psalm 103, 11 through 13. And this is probably one of the more well-known ones. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. It's gone. The east never meets the west. Your sins are what? Gone. They are gone. So be encouraged, Christian. So the day this pilgrim's life changed forever, he's running to the cross. He's standing at the cross. His burden falls off at the cross. And then I want you to notice he cries at the cross. He's, he just wells up with emotion. His heart is filled with emotion. His eyes are filled with tears and his soul is filled with joy. He looked, we read, therefore, and looked again, even till the springs that were in his head sent waters down his cheeks. Now as he stood looking and weeping. You know, we, we sing uh, sometimes that, that song, Happy Day. You wash my sins away, oh happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same, forever I am changed. That's a happy day. That's a happy day. Kind of reminds me of the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. As he calls out, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And, 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 and Peter uh, and Paul and Silas tell him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And they bring him into the house and sets food before them. And he greatly rejoices having believed in God, he and his whole household. And so there's such joy when you come to faith in Jesus. There's such joy. And we read of this guy, the pilgrim, says, then Christian gave three leaps for joy, went on singing, thus far did I, uh, uh, thus far did I come laden with my sin, nor could angst ease the grief that I was in, till I came hither that what a place is this, must here be the beginning of my bliss, must here the burden fall off my back, must here the strings that bound it to me crack, blessed cross, best, blessed sepulcher, blessed rather be the man that was put to shame for me. There is joy in salvation. And I have to ask you, is there still joy in your salvation? Is there still joy there? We know that we can lose it. David penned these words in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why did David lose his joy in his salvation? Tell me. Because of sin. Not just any sin, unconfessed sin. Sin that he was not willing to deal with. And guys, we sin all the time. We're sinners, okay? And so, but as soon as we sin, whether it's with thoughts or whether it's with actions or whether it's with attitude or whatever it is, we need to confess it to the Lord. Because we rob ourselves of the joy of God 
when we stay in our sin and we don't confess it. And so I want to encourage you, if there's any sin in your life, maybe it's just been an arrogant attitude toward your spouse or your kids. Maybe it's been a critical spirit towards someone in the church or towards somebody at work. Maybe it's something you've done or maybe it's anger that you've just gone off on somebody. Whatever it is, Maybe you've been cheating financially on your taxes or something else. You're robbing yourself of the joy of your salvation. And so I want to encourage you, be quick to confess your sin. Be quick to draw close to the Lord. And that's why David says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. So the day his this pilgrim's life changed. He's running to the cross. He's standing at the cross. His burden falls off at the cross. He cries at the cross. And then the last thing, he's troubled. He's troubled by those rejecting the cross. Because soon after this, he meets three men. It says, then I saw in my dream that he went on thus, even until he came at the bottom of the valley where he saw a little out of the way, three men fast asleep with fetters upon their heels, so they're shackled in iron chains. The name of the one was simple, of another sloth, and of a third presumption. So you have simple sloth and presumption. Sleeping, and they're chained, and Christian warns them. It says later on, he says, for the, for the sea, the dead sea, not the dead sea in Israel, but the dead sea, the sea of the dead is under you. A gulf that hath no bottom. Awake therefore, come away, be willing also, and I, I will help you off with your irons. If, if he that goeth about like a roaring lion comes by, you will certainly become prey to his teeth. What I love about Christian right here is that he's doing just what others did for him. Who were some of the people that helped him to salvation? Tell me. Remember the first one? Evangelist. Evangelist, Evangelist came and talked to him about the Lord. Who was another? Do you remember who, who helped him out of the slough of despond? There's a hint there. Help. <laughs> so, so Evangelist was there for him. Help was there for him. And he just left the whose house? The interpreter's house. So he's had three people who were vital in his life who helped lead him to salvation in Jesus. He had a man who shared the gospel evangelist. He had help, help him out of those difficulties. He had the interpreter. Who was it who helped you out to salvation? Was it a teacher in your church? Was it a parent? Was it a pastor? Was it a friend at work? Was it a, for me, it was one of the, my friends who came to faith I used to party with who shared the gospel. They were there to help they were there. So you know what? We should be doing the same thing. And right away, Christian says, I want to help these guys. Listen, you have neighbors. You need to help them to salvation. You have coworkers. You need to help them to salvation. You have relatives. You need to help them to salvation. You have complete strangers that you're going to run into. They need to be told that their burden of sin can be removed, that, that God will forgive them, that God will save them, that God can change them. And that's exactly what Christian does. Now, sadly, these are the responses of the three men. Simple says this, I see no danger. Sloth says this, yet a little more sleep. I'll just put it off. 
presumption says this, every tub stand upon its own bottom. (laughs) What in the world does that mean? Every tub stands upon its own bottom. In other words, people are responsible for themselves. I'm responsible for me. You don't need to worry about me. Boy, I've heard that so many times from my mom. You don't need to worry about me. I'm fine. And this was Christian's response. And so they lay down and slept again, and Christian went on his way. Yet he was troubled to think that men in that danger should, be so, should so little esteem the kindness of him that so freely offered to help them, both by awakening of them, counseling of them, and proffering to help them off with their irons. What I love about Christian is that he's still troubled for them. And it's okay to be troubled for the unsaved. I want you to be burdened for the people who don't know Jesus. And I want you to let that cause you to pray for them more fervently and passionately. And also to let God use you to open your mouth. To talk to them about the love of Jesus. Be willing to share the love of Jesus with others. And this is the day the pilgrim's life has changed forever. He's running to the cross, standing at the cross, burdened. Uh, The burden falls off at the cross. He cries at the cross and he's troubled for those rejecting the cross. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for John Bunyan and this amazing allegory of the Christian life that he's given us. For the scripture that is behind this story that is very potent and powerful. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be more like Christian. To have the joy of salvation and to share that joy with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.